pieces before. Has anyone heard of God's puzzle pieces? Uh, over in Millersburg, there is an organization set up to help um, different people with different mental disabilities. Um, they are age, ages from 60s probably, Jan, would you say? 60s down to people that are um, younger. And we are going to go in and we're going to do a whole program for these people. Uh, it, it is a truly a tremendous group as they're taught the word of God and taught biblical principles. It is so much fun to be a part of. If you are interested in helping with puppets or anything like that, please come and talk to Jan Hoffner or Melissa McGruther. Can you guys raise your hands real quick? Jan and Melissa, Jan in the back, Melissa in the front, and we'd love to get you plugged in again March 2nd. Would you pray with me as we begin our service this morning? Gracious God, we are so thankful for all that you have going on here at Word of Life Chapel. Lord, we're thankful for your love for us, but Father, most of all, we're thankful for salvation. Father, we're gathered together. Our common cause is Jesus. There are so many differences. We, we are all so different in so many different ways, different perspectives. But, but Lord, what brings us together is Jesus. Father, I ask this morning that you remove distractions, that you remove um, anything that, that might be hindering uh, our listening to you this morning. That, Father, we may hear from you, that you may speak to our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now it's a different microphone. Would you stand with us as we start to sing, Come now is the time to worship. We've gathered together to give glory to the one true God. Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your Just as you are to worship, come. Just as you are before your God, come. One day every time, one day every time we'll confess to our God. One day every.
darkness tries to roll over my bones And sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know And I won't be shaken And I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing for love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing for love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm
Good morning. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about how much God loves us. I've been debating between two songs all week, and this morning I felt like I should sing this one. And when I got to Sunday school, it was definitely confirmed. Because we know he loves us, but you know there are times he doesn't care, but the song will tell you why. too horrid to forgive I'm covered by the shame of all I've done if this is your story you need to know the truth God doesn't care he just wants to love you his grace can reach the deepest in despair so no matter what you've done God doesn't care you may not understand the way God loves his grace has covered sin we'll never know so stand beneath the cross where Jesus hung And let him wash you in the cleansing flow Whatever your story, you need to know the truth God doesn't care, he just wants to love you his grace can reach the deepest in Whatever your story, you need to know the truth. God doesn't care. He just wants to love you. His grace can reach the deepest in despair.
God doesn't care. Thank you, Jane. It's good to be reminded of, of God's love. Uh, a couple of uh, highlights that I want to bring to your attention uh, this morning. Uh, first of all, Craig Williams, uh, he was taken to the hospital this uh, past week uh, on Thursday uh, by ambulance. And it was uh, first diagnosed that he had septus. And then we learned on um, Friday that uh, it was uh, a reaction to an antibiotic that he was on. And yesterday, they again diagnosed it as septus. So it kind of went back and forth there for a little while. But the septus that he does have is under control. Uh, his uh, daughter wanted me to make sure you know that, that uh, the antibiotics now that he's on, very strong, uh, has things under control. So do pray for Craig Williams. Uh, he would greatly appreciate your prayers. He still remains down in the Harrisburg Hospital. Now this note is from Jerry and Sue Miller, and they say, thank you for your prayers and concerns during our recent loss of, the, our, uh, of our barn fire. Focusing on the book of James and persevering through trials, I came upon this poem among the scorched beams. The poem was shared with Susie and I many years ago, and today I asked the pastor to share this poem with you, which I will do in just a moment. God's presence is always near today. In his love we rest, Jerry and Sue Miller. The poem is entitled, Why? A question that we often ask. Why the trials? Why the heartaches? Why the agonizing tears? Do you ask the why of many ways? Oh, my child, so full of fears. Can you not just simply trust me? Do you know how big I am? Do you think I can forsake you? You for whom my dear son came. Oh, my child, you do not know me. If, that, if you think my love so small that I'd ever let you stumble in the dark or let you fall. My love for you is like your ocean. You can't see the other side. Rest your troubled soul in me, child, in my love you may abide. So keep the Miller family in prayer. Um, they're working through the insurance agency and uh, trying to figure all those things out. So let's do uh, keep them in your prayers. We do want to extend our sympathies to Larry Scadden, uh, his sister, who we've been praying for on our list, Sandy, uh, passed away this past Friday. Uh, so uh, keep them in your prayers. The funeral is on Wednesday, down south, uh, they probably won't be able to get there, but do pray for um, that family. Also, Joe Booker, uh, Dave's brother, is going to be undergoing chemotherapy now. Um, so we do pray for Joe. Um, pray that the side effects would be minimal. And I know uh, Kim and Dave are planning to go down uh, to visit with him down in Florida in the next couple of weeks. So. Pray for that trip as well, that everything, everything goes, goes as they should. Uh, then Nancy, Nancy Wilbert, one other person I need to mention uh, this morning. Uh, the schedule for her this week is that she comes home 
on Thursday. Now, tomorrow is a trial run, which means that Tim will be helping her get into the car along with two other therapists who will ride along in the car. They will make a trip from the hospital up to uh, their farm, and um, they're going to look, I think, the therapists over the house and the ramp and all of those things to make sure that everything's in place uh, so that on Thursday things would run smoothly. Uh, so the trial run is tomorrow, so pray for that, that everything goes well, and then on Thursday uh, the schedule is that she, uh, Nancy, might be able to return home. Um, she's very anxious. As you can imagine, it was just before Christmas, you know, that she had her stroke on a Tuesday. And so it's been quite a long time that uh, she's been away from home and uh, just very anxious now to, uh, to get home. So pray that all goes well this week. It's going to be a full and busy week for them. And um, we're just praying and trusting that all would go, go as planned. So, Father, as we come before you this morning, again, as you have invited us to, Father, we are so thankful that we can come before your throne. Father, we bring our praises to you this morning. We are a thankful, thankful people because, Lord, of what you did for us on our behalf. It was while we were sinners that Christ died for us. For, God, you so loved the world, as Gene reminded us. And we thank you, Lord, for that great salvation which is ours, uh, which, Father, you have shown to us uh, and demonstrated, especially on Calvary's cross. So we thank you, Lord, for the salvation that you have provided for each of us. And we do pray this morning, Lord, that each one here within these uh, walls, Lord, knows you in a very personal way as, as their Savior and as their Lord. Father, we also bring to you Craig Williams this morning. It was quite sudden, uh, this whole um, trip to the hospital, and uh, we do ask and uh, pray that, Lord, you would raise him up quickly, returning him to good health and full strength. Father, we're thankful that they caught things early, and uh, we're able to get him on these antibiotics, and thank you that things are, at this point, under control. We think of Jerry and Sue. We certainly lift them before you. Lord, again, something that happens so quickly. Um, Father, we don't always understand the reasons why, as this poem states. Lord, we often ask that question. And yet, Lord, we know that behind these things, there is purpose, there is reason. For, Father, you do nothing in the lives of your children except without purpose. I pray that everything works out really well, as seem, things seem to be uh, going in that direction, that things would be able to be replaced, a uh, new barn built. And so we pray, Lord, that all of these things uh, might work according to your will. Father, we do pray that you would comfort Larry now and Darlene and family members of Sandy. Father, we're asking, Lord, that uh, you would bring the comfort that you have promised and the peace that passes all understanding at times like these in the lives of your children. Father, Sandy has suffered a great deal, and uh, Father, we 
uh, know, Lord, that um, your will has been done. And so we pray for uh, those who um, are family members and friends that, Father, you might grant them, Lord, the um, comfort that only you can bring. Father, we pray for Joe, Dave's brother. And Father, we know that um, this is a very serious situation. But Father, we do pray that the chemotherapy might do what it's supposed to do. That Father, there would be minimal side effects. That Father, you would draw Joe close to you at this point. That Father, you might be very near and dear to him. That he might sense your love and your presence along with his wife, Wendy. So we, we commit his situation to you, praying for Dave and Kim as they make this flight, um, that there would be no glitches, that your will might be done. And so, Father, we commit all of these things into your care and your hands. We then think of Nancy, of course, Lord. We've been praying for Nancy now for a long time. Lord, she has made great progress and Father, we're thankful that this is the week now when she can return home. Lord, that, of course, introduces more challenges. But Father, we pray that you might give great wisdom to Tim and his boys and Nancy as well to figure out how all of this is going to work. But Father, we pray for continued healing in Nancy's body. We know now that there is some uh, feeling in her right leg, the paralyzed leg, and for that we thank you. But Father, there's still much more that uh, we ask that would be done in, in bringing about more healing. And so we commit Nancy to you and pray especially this week that, Father, there would be no complications, that tomorrow would go very smoothly, that these therapists, as they look over the house and the ramp and uh, they, they just see everything and be able to, would be able to give to them hints and tips as, as far as how things could be done a little better. And that Thursday, Lord, she would be able to get home and be in very familiar surroundings. So we're thankful, Lord, for the way you've been working. Father, we do see your hand in all of this, but we continue to pray, Lord, for continued healing. Father, you've given us a time here together. We're always thankful, Lord, for another um, service that we can come and meet and worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray, Lord, that you might do a good work among us as we open the bread of life, Lord, that this living and breathing book, Lord, might be powerful in our lives this morning and be effective. And that, Father, we might be changed as a result of hearing and then doing uh, what your scriptures teach us this, to this day. So again, we thank you for this good time you've given us. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Take your hymn books, turn with me to hymn number 40. Hymn number 40, To God Be the Glory. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
hearers of God's word, but that we do God's word. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at faith. What is real faith? What is real faith? James says real faith, it must be and will be accompanied by a consistent lifestyle. That real faith should affect how you live your life, what you say and what you do. There was a survey, and the survey said that 90% of the people in this country believe in God. However, only 50% had been in church in the last three months, and only one out of three had been in a service in the last year. Something's wrong when what people say they believe does not affect the way they live. We should live out our beliefs. We should live out our faith. Most Americans claim to have faith and be Christians, and yet we are a nation that is drowning in drugs and wallowing in pornography and calling wrong right. All the way back in Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah writes these words. Isaiah writes these words. <laughs> I just got this. Just wait. <laughs> it's coming. Isaiah writes these words. There they are. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We have everything upside down today. We call those things that are wrong right and those things that are right wrong. Where is the faith that so many Americans say they adhere to? Faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you can see their results. Real faith, James says, I'm stressing the word real, not phony, but real faith. Real faith should be accompanied by action. And so this is what James deals with in chapter 2. He deals with the nature of real faith. What is real faith? But he starts by stating what it is not. He starts in chapter 2, verse 14, stating what real faith is not. What it is not, and then we will look at what it is. Look at verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? In this verse, what James is saying is real faith is more than words. Real faith is more than words. The word claims here, the King James has the word says, is very important. 
Because it mere, merely claiming something doesn't mean you really have it. People claim things all the time. You might claim to be the best soccer player in Halifax High School. That doesn't mean you are. I might claim to be six feet tall. That doesn't mean I am. We can claim anything we want to claim. It doesn't mean it's real or true. Now the word claim here means exactly what it says. Here is someone who is claiming or saying or professing to have faith. We need to understand something as well before we go any further. Paul's definition of faith is not James's definition of faith. When the Apostle Paul uses faith, he, is, speaks, he speaks of a real, genuine, saving faith. When James speaks of faith, James is speaking of, well, in verse 19, he calls it demonic. Down in verse 20, he says it's useless. And all the way down at verse 26, he says it's dead faith. So they're not viewing faith the same way. We know what Paul says about faith. That faith alone saves. And we believe that. It's by grace and through faith. James isn't using faith in the way Paul uses faith. So when we read this text, we need to understand that context. Here, he's talking about a faith that is being claimed by someone. Someone is saying they have faith. So there's a contrast between Paul and James. And James says in this verse, can such faith save him? Now, Paul would say, certainly, faith does save, and it does. Don't misunderstand me this morning, but this faith, this faith that claims, that says, this person that says, I have faith, can that faith save? Can mere words save? No. James says it can't. That this faith does not save. Let me give you an example of Lip service faith or professing safe faith where this faith is, is just not enough. I almost hesitate to use this example because I know this makes some of the hair on your, the back of your head stand up. I'm not trying to be political here, but I think we all know up in New York State what has happened recently. The Governor Andrew Cuomo... It's almost hard to fathom, but New York has decided now to legalize abortion up to the birth of the baby, basically for any reason. And the governor of New York calls this new bill a historic victory for New Yorkers and our progressive values. Now, the governor of New York claims to be a Catholic claims to have faith. 
and yet I read two headlines of Catholic bishops who slammed him. Let me read them to you. New York bishop slams Governor Cuomo for citing Catholic faith but supporting abortion legislation. Another headline says this, New York celebrates legalizing abortion until birth as Catholic bishops question Cuomo's faith. Here's a man who claims faith, claims to be a Catholic, and yet doesn't live out what he claims to believe. James says, here is a man who claims to have faith, but has no deeds, does not live out this faith. Can that faith save him? And the answer to the question is no. So James has a problem in his church. Here are people claiming but not showing. Here are people saying, not doing. Here are people who are professing, but they're not acting. So the lesson is clear. Real faith is more than words. Mere verbal faith is not saving faith. Mere words are not enough, but must be backed up with deeds. And that's James's point in this text. Real faith will be demonstrated by action. But James doesn't stop there. Look at verse 15. He uses an illustration. Now suppose, he says, a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, now you go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. What James is saying here is real faith, real, genuine, true, saving faith is more than feelings. More than feelings. And this story illustrates someone with dead faith, someone with false faith. Here's a person who meets another person in church, apparently. He speaks here of a brother or a sister who's without clothes. And this person sees this other person, and this person has a need. A need of the basic necessities of life, of food and clothing. Now, in the original text, it, it, it means that there is a, a desperate need. This is a person who doesn't just need a, a warmer coat. He has no coat at all. He doesn't just, he's not just hungry, he's starving. And so someone sees this person with this great need and offers no help at all. The only thing he offers is, I wish you well. I hope someone else comes into your life who can help you. I'm going to go home now and I'm going to pray for you. Apparently he has the ability or the means to help. But his faith, although it has feelings, there's no action. 
And James says this faith is a phony, dead faith. This passage, or this text that I just read, actually parallels with the illustration of false love that we read last week. Let me read it again uh, to you back in uh, 1 John chapter 3. If anyone has material possessions and he sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let's not love with words and speech but with actions and in truth. You see the parallel in what James just said. Here's this illustration of someone who claims to have faith, but no action. John tells us, let's not just say, I love you, but let's show that you love him. True faith is like a living tree that will be revealed by the fruit that it produces. Real faith is a faith that produces fruit. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, by their fruit you will know them. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, he, he speaks of the, the fruit of the Spirit, being love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit that should be seen in the life of a believer. Someone who has true saving faith. This fruit will be produced. Because this fruit is produced by God's indwelling spirit. Those who have God's spirit within them, and it's the spirit of God who produces this fruit, they will produce it. If someone is not producing this fruit... Maybe the Spirit is not in them. And so James, again, he's, he's driving home the point that a faith that is not real, not saving, it's just words or sometimes just feelings. That a real faith will help. A real faith who sees a real need in someone's life. They will respond. They will do something. There's something in them that says, I, I just have to help. I can't just say, I wish you well. Be on your way. Real faith produces compassion and kindness and love toward one's neighbor. So James has said real faith is more than words. Real faith is more than feelings. And also he says real faith is more than beliefs. Look at verse 19. You believe there's one God. Well, that's good. But even the demons believe that and they shudder. Now, James is writing to the Jews. Remember, he's writing to the 12 tribes that have scattered. 
And the Jews believe, according to Deuteronomy 6.4, which is their creed, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. God is one God. Monotheism, not polytheism, not many, many gods out there, but the Jews believe there's one God. And so James says, you believe in one God. That's a good thing. But even the demons believe that. Even the demons believe there's one God. The statement is absolutely true. There is one God. But mere acceptance of that is not saving faith. The demons, they believe in the existence of God. Did you know that the demons even stated one place when they talked to Jesus and said, you are the son of God. They believe in the deity of Christ. The demons believe in the reality of hell. There was a time when the demons themselves came to Jesus and they, they begged him. They said, we, we command you, we, we don't want to be cast into the abyss. The demons believe and they shudder, they tremble. The demons are actually fully informed believers. <laughs> but their beliefs do not touch their hearts. Their belief does not transform their character. There's something about knowing something up here in your head that hasn't yet reached your heart. Just knowing facts, that's not enough. Just knowing that there's one God, that's not enough. Head knowledge, mental assent, understanding and believing these facts, they're all good. But they don't go far enough. It doesn't go far enough. It's not false faith. It's just not a complete faith that brings salvation and transformation. We need to know the facts of Scripture. We need to know there's one God. We need to know that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for our sins on the cross. But it's more than just head knowledge. There needs to be a heart involved. And so, he says in verse 18, someone's going to say, you have faith. I have deeds, James says. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Real faith, James says, is demonstrated by deeds. Real faith will show itself in life in fruit that is being produced. When a life is completely transformed, the old has gone, the new has come, there's a change in that person's life. And James says, faith without deeds is dead. Love and marriage, love and marriage, Go together like a horse, sing it with me, <laughs> like a horse and carriage. This I tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. Boy, that dates you, doesn't it? <laughs> Frank Sinatra back in 1955. That's why some of you youngsters weren't singing. Frank Sinatra, 55. Love and marriage. Go together. Faith 
and deeds. James says they go together. And then James, he actually imagines a conversation with a person actually taking the opposite view where they say, you know, maybe faith and deeds, they, they can stand alone. Maybe, no, no, James says they don't stand alone. They go together. Faith and deeds go together. It was the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth, who said, they're like two legs working together. Faith and deeds. Faith and deeds. And then James uses two Old Testament illustrations to show what real faith is. Two people, Abraham and Rahab, two opposites. You can't get any two people more opposite. One a man, one a woman. One an Israelite, one a Gentile. One a major character of the Bible, one a minor character of the Bible. A patriarch, a prostitute, a somebody, a nobody. But the one thing these two have in common was faith shown and demonstrated by deeds. Look at verse 20. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Now we have to remember the context, right? <laughs> James's definition of faith because to read verse 24 at the end, you say, that contradicts everything the Bible teaches. That salvation is by faith alone. It is. But James is trying to make a point here that you can't have one without the other. You can't have a real saving faith and not be living it out. And so he uses Abraham as the example. And we know from the Old Testament, we know from Genesis chapter 15, that Abraham believed God and it was credited, credited to him for righteousness. That faith came first. Faith came first. However, James is using Abraham as an example of faith and deeds because what did Abraham do after he had faith? He took his son Isaac to Mount Moriah and as God commanded, he was obedient and willing to slay and kill his own son. That was the deed. That was the action that followed the faith. That's what James is saying. Action follows faith. It must when a life is changed and transformed. But then he uses Rahab in verse 25. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did 
when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So again, back in the Old Testament, back in Joshua 2, we know that Rahab had faith in God, Israel's God. And it led her to action. It led her to hiding the spies in her home in order to protect them from the enemy. And so James uses these examples to show that faith and deeds work together. And then he concludes, verse 26. He says, the body without the spirit is dead, and so faith without deeds is also dead. You take the spirit from the body, and the body becomes a corpse. A person claiming to have faith, but lacking deeds, is spiritually as lifeless as a corpse. Real faith is more than words and feelings and belief. Real faith is demonstrated in action. Now, I want to conclude this morning and ask you a question. Is your faith real? You know, we sit here, and I don't know how many are in the walls of this sanctuary this morning. 175, maybe 180. And I often wonder, does everyone here really know without doubt that they have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Do you have real faith? No, you say you have faith. Maybe you even feel a little bit like you have faith. Maybe you believe all these things that we've been teaching about Jesus and die on the cross, but is it all up here? Is it, is it just facts that you're believing? Or has the information that you have received over the years, has it traveled to your heart? Real faith, Number one, has a strong conviction of the truth of the gospel. Are you absolutely convinced in your heart that only Jesus Christ can save you from your sins? Are you completely convinced that the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilt on the ground as he hung on the old rugged cross, that it's that blood that can cleanse you that you have forgiveness through his blood alone? Do you believe in your heart of hearts when Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the only way to my Father in heaven? Do you believe in your heart of hearts that only through Jesus you can have a relationship with God? Do you believe that? Really believe that? Are you convinced? Are you convicted of sin? You know, the Bible says that we should be people who repent of sin. That we should be convicted of sin, knowing that God's a holy, holy God. And that God demands holiness. 
And yet we miss the mark. We shoot for the target, but we miss so often. For God says, or the Bible says, that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. That means to miss the mark. We've missed the standard that God has set for us. And because of that, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. We deserve eternal punishment. But the Bible says that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died in our place. Peter tells us that. That he died for us on the cross. That's that substitutionary atonement. A couple big long words, but it means that Jesus, he died where we should have died. Do you really believe that? Have you really trusted Jesus Christ to save you from your sins? Have you really asked God to forgive you and to cleanse you as white as snow? I hope so. I hope your faith is real. And I think sometimes we need to take a deep, hard look at ourselves. Listen, I wouldn't want anyone to leave here this morning and not understand that it takes real faith, saving faith, true, genuine faith in Jesus alone that brings new life, that makes us new creations in Christ Jesus. And once you have that faith, you see, James then says, you're going to see the change. Something changes. You start to change. Your lifestyle changes. You, you say things differently. You see things differently. Because real faith is demonstrated and shown in how we live. By your fruit, you will know them. Would you close your eyes with me, please? Father, we've come now to the end of another sermon. And Father, we tried to be up front. Father, I wouldn't want anyone here in this room to walk away this morning and not walk away with real faith. Oh, Lord, I, I know most here know without a shadow of doubt that they're a child of the King, that they are in your family, that they're on their way to heaven. But Father, nothing can change that. Nothing can change real faith. But Father, maybe there is someone here who maybe has been coming for a few weeks or months. They've been hearing these things, but Father, the information hasn't traveled yet the short distance from the mind to the heart. If you're here this morning, you say, I, I, don't, I don't know. Do I, do I really have that faith? The Bible says you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and understand that he died for you and be convinced of that. The Bible says we need to acknowledge our sin, that we have fallen short. And that, Father, we need to confess our sins and repent of that sin and believe that Jesus' death on the cross and his blood it cleanses us from that sin. You put those thoughts into your own words and you come before God this morning and ask Him to save you. Ask Him to save you.
Father, we're thankful for the, for the gift of salvation. And it is a gift. For by grace, we are saved through faith. Father, for those this morning that know you, Lord, help us to demonstrate what you have done in us, in our works, in our deeds, in our actions. Father, for someone who maybe this morning, for the first time, this gospel moved from head to heart. Lord, as they go from this place, a changed person, use them greatly. And again, we thank you for salvation, so rich and free, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I uh, always stand at the door, I don't always leave too uh, quickly, so if you would like to talk with me a little bit further, maybe about something I've said this morning, or uh, something you're a little confused about, uh, grab me if you would, please, I'd be happy to sit down and talk with you um, further about something that uh, you'd like to talk about. Stand up. Stand up for G. Come on, stand up. That's not only a song title. Stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Let's sing this together. 456. Hymn number 456. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, soldiers of the cross. High his royal banner must not suffer loss from victory unto his army shall he. Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Trumpet call obey. For to the mighty conflict, this his glorious day. Now serve him against unnumbered foes. Let Courage rise with danger and strength, strength oppose. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, then his strength alone. <coughs> Put on the gospel Strife will not be long.
King of glory shall reign eternally. Father, we thank you again for the plan of salvation. Father, you have made it quite easy for us. We know, Lord, it came at a great cost for your Son, Lord, Jesus himself died for us. We thank you for that salvation that is ours through him. In Jesus' name, amen.